close your eyes and pull like a dog. <laughs> and a new Irish record for Phil Healy, 22.99. Hello and welcome to the first ever Star Sports Podcast. I'm Jack McCarran of the Southern Star and I'm joined by our sports editor, Kieran McCarthy. This will be the first of a weekly series of shows focused on West Cork sports, from rowing to road bowling and everything in between. We'll have previews, reviews and of course big name interviews with local and international sports stars. And on today's show we'll look back at Phil Healy's impressive second at the Milrose Games in New York last weekend. We'll also speak to the Balanine woman. In part two, Southern Star editor Con Downing will join to talk rugby with a particular focus on the West Cork lads that have been in good form for the Ireland 20s. But Kieran, there is only one place to start and that's with the Cork footballers. Beaten by Clare last weekend, are we in for yet another disappointing year? following the lads uh, the signs don't look too encouraging so far Jack to be quite honest with you we're three games into the league three games into Division 2 and Cork are propping it up with one point from those three games so at this at this point Cork are in, are in, they are in the relegation battle um, it's very much a, a new look Cork team again this year kind of there's a, a lot of new personnel in there but still to see Cork down the bottom of Division 2 like it's a, it's a bit demoralising for the players I'd say to start off with but even for the fans um, the timing couldn't be worse with Cork after launching their, their five-year plan a couple, a couple of weeks ago. So only a couple of weeks since then. Cork are struggling again, you know. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's not too encouraging, Jack, to be honest. Yeah, you mentioned the strategic five-year plan that was released in January and a lot was made of it. You were actually quite positive at the time it was released. Can you, can you tell us why that was? Because like where Cork football is right now, they have to do something. They can't keep kind of lumbering on year after year after year. So it's a proactive step to kind of say, to admit first, okay, there's problems there. And these are the kind of steps we've set out to try and fix these problems. Um, it's one thing, when you create a plan, it's the next thing, put it, putting that plan into action. But you have to give the county board kind of credit to, to, to some respect that they have a lot of the... The goals they set out, they are achievable goals. Um, and like I said, it's good to have a plan because if Cork didn't have a plan, I don't know where they're going to go from here. Like kind of, it's a long way back to the top for Cork football. To be quite honest, Graham Canty said at the launch there, at that launch of the five-year plan, that Cork are, are a mid-table Division Two team, and, and and that's where they are now. At the moment, they're they're bottom of of Division Two, so they're what the this the sixteenth best team in in the country right now. And that's actually where they are. I see people talking after the Clare game. Again, you see them on social media there. Oh, big shock and all this sort of stuff. But um, it's, if, we're, if we're being very, very honest here, and, and Cork football fans should be, it's not a shock for Cork to lose to Clare anymore. They've lost to them. Is it the third time in a the row they've, they've lost to Clare? I was just going through some of the, the stats there. Kind of 2014 was the last time Cork made the last eight at the All-Ireland Series. Go back to the National League last year, Division 2 again. Cork survived in Division 2 by the skin of their teeth, I think with score differences. They beat three teams down loud, down and loud, who were both relegated, and they beat Mead, which was a bit of a surprise. They lost to Tipperary, Kevin, Clare and Roscommon. So Cork just survived last year in Division 2. This year they're struggling in, in, in Division 2. But in the last five years of the Championship, Cork have beaten Sligo, Longford, Tipperary, Clare and Limerick. Like... 
that tells you where Cork football is right now. Kind of, it, it'd be more of a shock if Cork beat Kerry or in, in, in the championship because Cork are, are at a level now where they're playing teams around them and they're losing the teams around them. So Cork are where they are. Well, you mentioned the positives that came out of that strategic plan and obviously there are plenty. There is positives looking forward, hopefully in the next five years. But a man who wasn't as impressed with what he called the waffle in the strategic plan was Mr. Joe Brawley, who was speaking to Joanne Cantwell on League Sunday, and he had this to say about Cork's five-year plan. I mean, I read with interest the strategic report, I mean, and I've never seen such mumbo-jumbo. Is it any wonder Cork football's in the state that it's in, the black hole in the finances? I mean, here's some of the lines from the strategic report. We have lost our Corkness and need to rediscover that Corkness that makes us Cork. Brand Cork needs urgent work. There's been a disengagement of stakeholders. Well, there certainly was a disengagement of their full backline today, you know, for two goals inside four minutes for Clare. And, you know, it's a county that it's very disappointing to see this. The Rebels have always been, you know, one of the models of every now and again they come along and puncture teams and they win in All-Ireland football in Ireland. And it's desperately sad to see them in the, they're in the position there. But, I mean, when you hear that sort of waxy but nonsense... You do have to, but you have to point out that yeah. in that strategic plan, they yeah. do have, like, they have pinpointed, we need to make these appointments, we need to yeah, change need our structure. Well, I'll tell you what they've said. They, they've said that we need a synergy going forward. Yes, but they also say we, we need a high performance The only thing they didn't do was quote Nelson Mandela. You know, I mean, all this font nonsense, when, in fact, it's a real job of work that requires to be done. Yeah, but they have and mentioned you know, that this, as well, have they not? It's just sugary PR. I've read the report, it's just sugary PR. Yeah, but they've and said we, see, we need we a high-performance director, we need um, administrators yeah, for games yeah. development, don't yeah, they? Terry's got a high-performance director. We, he's, he's overseen us from Division 1 to Division 4. It's all gobbledygook. Kieran, gobbledygook, Nelson Mandela, sugary PR. Is there any truth to what Joe was saying there? Like I was saying earlier, Jack, I think like to give the county board credit, and in fairness in Cork, they don't get a lot of credit too often. Um, they are trying to be proactive. Like They've realised that, Jesus, things are pretty bad here. We need to do something. It's, I think it's very easy to kind of just, just to bash the county board over their five-year plan. But when you read through it, OK, he's talking about gobbledygook and synergy and all, and all, all Corkness and all this. But there is deliverable goals inside in that plan that if the county board do meet them, and that's the key point here, that the county board... And, and the committees have to deliver on what they're setting out to. But if, if, if they do that, then Cork football should improve some bit. It's not going to solve everything. It's not like you're going to make, kind of wave a magic wand and all of a sudden the Cork will be back in the top eight and back in All-Ireland semi-finals. It's not going to happen that fast. Kind of, people might say five years has been a bit optimistic. Maybe it is, judging where, where Cork football is right now. But Cork are trying to do something to fix this um, off the field, on the field. It needs a lot of work as well. Um, well, the way the, the way, even the way the team is playing at the moment, Jack, you know, they're, they're set up very, very defensively. Like, kind of, I know Ronan McCarthy is trying to kind of build a solid base there. And against Fermanagh, I think they conceded 1 5. And it was against Kildare, was it, um, was it 1 10? But then they, they coughed up 3 13 against Clare. So there's something wrong somewhere. Like, they're, they're sitting very deep, they're playing very deep, and they're not scoring on the other end. They're the lowest scoring team in Division 2 at the moment, only averaging 10 points a game, which, which won't really which won't win you many games. So kind of on the field, there's big problems. Off the field, there's problems. But at least the county board is trying to rectify those problems off the field. What about positives then that maybe we can take from the first two games in the league? Obviously, from a West Cork point of view, it's good to see Kill McAbee's Damien Gore mm -hmm. getting even more minutes. So there are some positives. There are. Like kind of, there's the basis of, of a good team there, there in Cork, to be fair, you know, kind of. Look at the size of the county, like there has to be good 15 footballers there that can play at inter county level, and, and there is, but it, it, it's probably how they're playing at the moment. Like I was trying, I was saying, there 
the way they're set up, it seems to be fierce defensive at the moment. Like when you have Mark Collins, like with Castlehaven, he could kick six, seven, eight points a game. Like he'd be man of the match in most games with Castlehaven. Yet you see him back in his own 45 sweeping. You know, kind of, and he's running the full into the pitch, and by the 60th minute, he's flogged. You know, kind of, you need someone like Mark up closer, up closer to, to, the, to the, the opposition's goal, especially when you consider that Cork was struggling at the other end. But there still is a very strong Cork, West Cork representation. Um, Rory Dean was probably one of uh, Cork's best players last year, and um, he'll be key for Ligon this year. Brian Hurley is back now, hopefully, Brian will kick on. Um, and, and would you see, too, the likes of, of Rory, who's the furthest west? Cork footballer travelling up and down he's a teacher in Castletown Bear his, his round trip is probably four hours a couple of nights a week so like people talk about Cork footballers or they don't try and, and all this like, but there obviously is some commitment there like you know these fellas want to play for Cork kind of things aren't going right it's probably not a fun place to be there at the moment kind of you can imagine going out losing away to Clare by nine points it's not fun you know kind of and that's shown in the performances too like you can see it's a team that's down on its knees, it's struggling, it's waiting for this one big result to lift it. But that's not going to happen just like that. They have to work hard to get that result. Um, will it come? I don't know. It's, it's very hard to foresee it, to be quite honest, because they need something just to kind of, to, to, just, just to spark it, just, ju- just to get them going. Um, but I'm looking at the next couple of games. They're home to Mead the weekend after this, and Mead are the table toppers. They're away to Tipperary, tough game there. Home to Donegal, which isn't a gimme. And they're away to Armagh in, in the last game. And Armagh are in the relegation zone at the moment. So they're, they're four hard games. Like, and Cork will have to win at least two of those. And when you consider that Down went down last year on six points. And if Cork win two of those, they're still on five points. Kind of, there's a lot of work for Cork to do to kind of not to get relegated to Division 3. Because maybe we haven't reached rock bottom yet. You know? And that's probably what's scary for a lot of Cork football fans out there. Kind of, it's bad enough struggling in Division 2 with the greatest respect losing to, to, to the counties like Clare who Cork would probably expect to beat but to step to Division 3 would be would be an awful kick in the hole for, for Cork football and its fans and just to finish up on Cork football then looking ahead to the Meath game Cork, Cork am I right in saying are yet to win in the refurbished Porky Cueve in a competitive football game would that be a factual statement or am I <laughs> yeah they haven't and, and and, and, but with Meath coming down then would you still make Cork favourites in that game or are Mead favourites coming down to Parky Cueve? Well, the odds are first away considering the condition of the Parky Cueve pitch it'll probably be played in Parky Ring <laughs> which is probably probably work to the to the, to the Cork footballers favouring it's a smaller ground kind of whatever crowd turns up it'll, it'll be a bit of an atmosphere because small crowds just get gobbled up up in Parky Cueve and, and the pitch wasn't great at all for the last game against Kildare so um, are Cork favourites at home to Mead and See, if, if you look at the first two performances, they weren't overly that bad, you know. To get a draw away to Fermanagh wasn't the worst result in the world. They weren't overly bad against against Kildare either, like, you know. It's kind of, they missed an awful lot of chances again. They just weren't taking their chances. So, on, on, on another day, maybe they, they, they could get something out of it. They're, they're not too far away from from winning a couple of games. By all accounts, the, in Cusick Park the last day, it was um, dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. I was talking to... The a fellow who was covering the game up there, and he said it was the, the worst Cork team he's ever seen land in Cusick Park, and that's that's saying something, you know. Um, so something needs to be done. Like I said, we probably are not at rock bottom yet. There is potential for this to get a lot worse, and that is being relegated to to, to, to Division Three. So Ron McCarthy and and the players they need to use that as put the bit between the teeth the next couple next couple of weeks and start proving people wrong because they're being written off again. So nobody likes being written off. So it, 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 it's time for them to kind of 
close close in together and just just try and pull out the performance against Mead because if they lose at home to Mead they're in serious trouble well on that sombre note we'll uh, go to a break and Southern Star editor Con Downing will join us after that break to talk all things rugby thank you for listening to the Star Sports Podcast don't forget to pick up this week's Southern Star featuring our award winning sports section that is everything a sports fan in West Cork could want Available every Thursday in shops across West Cork and online from anywhere in the world. The Southern Star, number one for sport in West Cork. I'm now joined by our editor Con Downing to chat rugby and in particular the performance of the West Cork contingent that are there with Irish under 20s at the moment. Con, we've, we've been looking at the last couple of years here in West Cork, this was last year and the year before, we've had uh, Gavin Coombs, Fadine Mitchell, Liam Coombs, uh, even Dave McCarthy from Union Hall for, for a bit was it under 20s. And this year we have John Hodnett and Josh Witcherly. Can you tell me a small bit about them? Yeah, um, these are two great prospects. Uh, I thought John Hodnett in particular had a great game against England in Musgrave Park recently. Uh, they won uh, well in the end. It was a great game of rugby, fantastic atmosphere there. Mm-hmm. And uh, John, I thought, was man of the match. And Josh also played a great uh, part in the match as well. Josh, as people know, is a brother of Finine, who's doing very well with the uh, senior team at the moment mm-hmm. and hopefully will be back now for the uh, Pro 14 game this Friday mm-hmm. against uh, the Southern Kings in Musgrave mm-hmm. Park as well. And um, they both went to the Cistercian College in Ross Gray and uh, Josh is in the Munster Sub Academy at the moment and uh, he's also a, a very good prospect mm-hmm. at Lucid Prop, John Hodnett. Um, plays uh, at number eight and he uh, is from Ross Carberry and uh, he got his early experience with Clannacilty Rugby Club so it's great uh, that uh, clubs around West Cork are being um, represented at mm. provincial level and also at uh, national level and don't forget we have Darren Sweetham of course who is also uh, from Dunmanway and uh, doing very well with the Munster senior team and has also played senior international so it's a fantastic time for West Cork rugby. As a rugby aficionado yourself is West Cork no rugby country? Um, well the way the Cork footballers are performing <laughs> I think it can lay a fair claim because all the promising young talent uh, uh, the majority of it anyway coming through seems to be uh, rugby talent there's some mm. good soccer talent as well coming yeah. through as Ron Hurley mm. playing for Cork City and mm. uh, a few more but you know rugby seems to be in the ascendancy here at the moment now how that transfers to the club scene mm. remains to be seen yeah because you, you were at the game in Musgrave Park when Ireland Ireland won the first day then John Hadnell got a try the last last game against Scotland but what was you were very impressed with him Conor tell me like what was it about his performance that day that caught the eye well everything really because um, I mean he looked like another CJ stander he yeah. was uh, his ball carrying was excellent mm-hmm. he made loads of metres and his tackling also was uh, very good so yeah. and they had to defend pretty resolutely mm-hmm. uh, when they were reduced to 14 men near the end uh, when uh, Josh Witcherly's replacement was mm-hmm. sin-binned for 10 minutes, um, probably between the 60th and 70th minute, and Josh had to come back on again. And he was also a great part of that defensive effort, mm-hmm. which set the platform then for them to go mm-hmm. and win the game. This kind of sets Ireland up now for the, for the next three games in the under-26 under Nations. Have we a good chance of, of hopefully, like maybe not a Grand Slam, but even a championship win? Well, I think so, yeah. I mean, having beaten England, I mean, I thought they would have been the favourites. I mean, mm-hmm. looking at the two teams... 
uh, out on the pitch before the game, you would have said that Ireland wouldn't have had any chance against them. The English team was so big. Mm. But uh, they certainly that didn't phase them and they certainly went on and win. French will be difficult, they always are at under twenty level. I mean their next game now is away to Italy and you know, hopefully they'll uh, succeed there. And um, the the game well worth seeing, I think anyway, is on Friday the eighth of March in yeah. Musgrave Park when they're back there to play the French. And I think the crowd, hopefully, will play a big part in getting them over the line with that. And then, of course, like the senior team, their last game will be in Wales, okay. and they're playing in Colwyn Bay uh, the uh, day before the senior international mm-hmm. and. Uh, why not? I mean, I, I, I think they have the best chance mm. of uh, the three Irish teams that are out there, like the ladies, um, aren't doing as well. But mm. um, I suppose that's because they're lacking a few of the West Cork women on the panel. <laughs> good, good point, well made. But just a quick one before we look at, at the Irish seniors. Mosgrave Park for the Ireland under-20 games, kind of, that was the first game against England. And now you said the, the French game coming up. You were up there for the first game. Yes. What was it like? Like Was the atmosphere good? Is it a good it ground was. to host those games? It is. It's nice, tight ground, you yeah. know. Uh, no, it wasn't full, like there was about just over 6,000 there I mm-hmm. think and uh, uh, but it's still the atmosphere is fantastic and they really will down the team and I think even the I- Irish coaches acknowledged that that uh, was a factor in overcoming England mm-hmm. that night the crowd Looking at the Six Nations I suppose the senior Six Nations um, good win against Scotland the last day badly needed after the, 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 the this was the last against England the the week before, where does that leave Ireland now? Can kind of looking ahead to the, the next three games, you know, kind of is 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 the championship already out of reach considering that England have those two bonus point wins in the bag? I think it is, yeah. Um, you know, they probably would have uh, needed a bonus point win mm-hmm. away to Scotland. They're not fully up and running yet, but they've they've gone up an extra gear mm-hmm. at least anyway, and hopefully uh, that with the other games uh, coming up now that they'll have a convincing win against uh, Italy and. Uh, then uh, they have France, of course, and I think the big one between England, uh, between Ireland and Wales will really be the, the test at the end. And that probably will only decide maybe second or third placing in the in the uh, championship, unless Wales now beat England, uh, which would be good for Ireland as well too, because it throw the whole thing open again. Well, there's a different school of talk around at the moment, kind of, like with Ireland and the Six Nations, is it the reality check that we all needed ahead of the World Cup? Or is it kind of worrying in a World Cup year that Ireland haven't kind of hit form yet? Kind of what camp would you be in? I would uh, be in the more optimistic camp. I would say that uh, it was no harm to have yeah. a, a reality check because, mm-hmm. you know, the expectations after beating the All Blacks last November were mm-hmm. way too high. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just no harm just to dampen things down a small bit going into it. I don't think that being favourites like they were against England sits well with Ireland. Anyway, mm-hmm. they're better off being the underdog. So I think mm-hmm. that uh, going to the World Cup, um, they will um, hopefully be back in as underdogs as opposed to being among the favourites but uh, you know like you, you just can't tell with the with these World Cups I mean you, you know for several occasions now they should have advanced beyond the quarterfinals and they didn't and like there's no guarantee that they will this year either you know but hopefully they will as a Munster senior ticket kind of a Munster ticket holder yourself to see Joey Carberry come on the last day for Johnny Sexton 
and, and do so well then you know kind yeah. of like th- that move has worked out very well for Joey hasn't it oh it has yeah and for Munster as well yeah. too you know because they've got consistency into the kicking game mm-hmm. and you know uh, a, a great uh, I thought it was a great trial of him to come back from the setback he had early on when the long pass he threw was yeah. intercepted and mm-hmm. the Scottish try was given away yeah. to come back from that and uh, play so well at the second half mm-hmm. in particular was a great uh, trial of him I thought it's probably expecting too much for any West Cork fella to be on the plane to, to, to Japan later in the year. Wouldn't rule out Finney and Witcherly. You know, injuries are a big factor in, yeah. in, in especially among second rows. And yeah. uh, Fidin is also very versatile in that mm. uh, he's also a flanker as well. But like mm. the flanker positions probably are well covered, but you never know. So you heard it first from Con Con Downing, the Southern Star rugby expert. If Fidin Witcherly is a dark horse for, for, for this year's World Cup. So thanks very much, Con, for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Star Sports Podcast. Don't forget to pick up this week's Southern Star featuring our award-winning sports section that has everything a sports fan in West Cork could want. Available every Thursday in shops across West Cork and online from anywhere in the world. The Southern Star, number one for sport in West Cork. Welcome back to the Star Sports Podcast. And before we speak to Phil Healy, the Ballonine Bullet, Kieran, can you maybe give us a flavour of what to expect in this week's sports section? It's another action-packed sports section again, Jack. I think that goes without saying. I think um, with the obviously the Cork Cork versus Clare, kind of the fallout from that. We're looking at what that means for Cork going forward. Um, with the Cork ladies got their their national league campaign off to winning start against Westmead last weekend, which is fantastic. So we talked to Evie Fitzgerald just about that, and he talks about how important it is to give the, the young players a chance this year because the Cork ladies want to strengthen their squad. We have an interview with Artfield's Connor Ool, who was um, the assistant manager with UCC, who won the who won the Collingwood Cup, um, um, last weekend. We also have a very interesting story to to do with two of our world champion rowers, um. Shane O'Driscoll and Mark O'Donovan, who've lost their funding, their Sport Ireland funding for, for this year. And that's a big blow for these two fellas. Um, they, were, they were on world-class funding, which was worth 20000 each to them for the year. Um, very important money. It's what keeps them going. It's effectively their wage. They have lost that now. There's been there's some confusion over the criteria as, as to why that they, they weren't given the funding. There's a bit of confusion there. The two lads are adamant that they meet the criteria. Sport Ireland are saying that they didn't meet the criteria, but we've all that story in full in this week's sports section. And we might cover that in more depth then on next week's podcast when we have the full breakdown. But Kieran, Phil Healy was recently named the West Cork Sports Star of the Year mm-hmm. at a cracking night at the Celtic Ross Hotel in Roscarry. Both of us were there. We spoke to Phil and she's kicked on from that win and made a big impression in the States over the weekend. She did, yeah, um, fantastic for Phil. She was invited out to the Milrose Games in, in, in New York and that's one of the biggest track and field events, indoor track and, track and field events in America. So it just shows her standing at the moment that she was invited out there. She ran, she finished second, fantastic. She ran 53.72, which is a good bit outside her personal best of 52.08. But it was a very scrappy race. Um, she was telling me that uh, in the 400 metre indoors, it's two laps of 200 metres. The cut in after the first, the first lap, to use her words, it was carnage. So she, she was fourth there. So for her to, to finish second is fantastic. Um, great experience, she was saying. And this weekend now, she's on to the Irish Nationals. She's racing the 400 metres on Saturday. The heats are the final Sunday. So hopefully again, she's um, she's favourite there to, to kind of defend her national title. And in the weekend after that, then 
Phyllis the European Indoor Championships in Glasgow and that's a, that's one of her big targets of the year she's really hoping to get to the final there and if you get to the final anything's possible and Kieran, you spoke to Phil at the Sports Star Awards we'll play some of that interview now Talk to you first about your winter training. How was the winter training gone for you so far? It's absolutely super. It's been tough. There's been many days where I've uh, say seen my breakfast again, but uh, um, no, look, it's it's really hard. But you have the group there um, for us, and like I look at it as um, every training session, and then putting them back to back. Because if you look at the whole block, say the four week block, as one, it can be a bit daunting. So if you there's a goal in each session, so build on each of them and uh, put them back to back, and then the weeks come back to back. Are the signs encouraging for the, for the year ahead? Absolutely. I kick off indoor season next week in Vienna. So at this stage, I'm like, just let me race because I haven't raced since August. So it's been a long time. And I built the base all of indoor or all of um, winter. So now it's time to put the work to use and uh, have fun over indoor season. We're like a kind of spring at the moment. So we're just waiting to get out there and Absolutely, race. Absolutely. Yeah. So we call it a cage line. But yeah, that's. Uh, that's about it, and then it'll uh, kick off the varsities and we'll roll internationals, and then European indoors is the main one. Do you, uh, the European indoors, that is, that's in March, isn't it? That, that's, that's your big target at the early part of the season? Absolutely, that's the first weekend of March in Glasgow, so it's nice to be close to home again. Um, it was Birmingham last year, but with the snow, um, all the crowds were stuck here in Ireland, so yeah, that's the main one, um, over 400, and it's a short weekend, so yeah, looking forward to that one. When you're racing the 400, you prefer the indoors to the outdoors. Can you explain that to us? Absolutely, because I'm more of a speed-based 400-meter athlete, and that's the way it's going, um, both indoors and outdoors. So indoors, it's two 200-meter laps, so um, it's all about making the break, which is after 150 meters. So if you make the break first, which is uh, after 200 meters, then um, it's harder to um, pass if you're behind. So um, getting there as quick as you can and then um, going around for the last 200 metres. Getting to the European final, so would that be a big target at the indoors? Definitely, mm. take it round by round. Indoors as well can be a lot of luck with lane draws and stuff like that. So look, you make your own luck as well. So um, yeah, take it round by round and then hopefully European final as well. Looking later in the year, I know you have the World University Games, but this is a big year too because the 2020 Olympic, Olympic qualification starts is that something always in the back of your mind now kind of because it's, it's it's only next year now the tokyo games absolutely and it's just around the corner and yes it's definitely always in the back of your mind because you have to like it's not just a one year um thing that you start looking at it in 2020 like if once 2016 is over your uh, four-year cycle begins so yeah it will be in the back of my mind but i'm not focusing on it either like i'm putting in the hard work for this year building on to next year but it is about securing qualification um this year and making next year a little easier and that's uh, Shane, my coach, he would be more focused on and that's in his planning and stuff like that. So he's looking after that side of it and then I'll just go race and do the, tris- do the sessions. The qualification process has changed from the last Olympics. Can you explain what, what the process is now, Phil? So they still haven't decided fully. They were doing this quota system for mm. world championships where this, which are this year in the end of September, but they now have scrapped it because uh, the majority are going against it so hopefully they'll keep it the same way with the qualification normal qualification standard for um, Tokyo as well like it would be foolish to bring it in the first year um, to have it as an Olympic Games quota system but um, hopefully it'll be just the one standard if you get your standard that secures your spot. This year what are you going to focus on at the 400, 200, 100 you have they're all, they're all there for you what's your which one, which one this year? So definitely indoors will be more 400 base but I will have a 200 in there as well um, then outdoors we will vary it up between the one, two and four, it'll depend on um, different types of competitions, different, um, like it will be about secure qualification as well, so um, based on wind conditions, like where 
uh, races are and comp the level of competition as well. So we'll be about having fun over the three distances, um, but yeah, we'll see as the outdoor season comes down. Talking about the level of competition, even here in Ireland, the, the standard of underage athletes and even sprinters, even last year we saw kind of at, 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 at different events that they really, they really are pushing. So that's probably good for you that you've all these up and coming athletes that are really pushing you. Absolutely, because there's always someone um, coming up through the ranks, both in the men and the women. Um, so it definitely pushes on both um, crews. And like the girls were at World Juniors last, you got a silver medal in the relay, and they're looking for their spots then in the senior relay team as well. So definitely it gets everyone to up their game, and even with the two national records. There's now a new level, there's a new standard, there's a new bar that everyone has to reach and I obviously want to lower them further so um, it gets everyone to up their game in training and mentally as well. You've actually preempted my next question and I think everyone wants to know, can you go faster? Like you're the first ever Irish woman to run, run under 22 seconds, wasn't it, for the... For the 200, 200 yeah. yeah. And like you obviously did the national record in the 100 metres last year. Can you go even faster in 2019? Definitely, I do think so, because even conditions weren't favourable that day in Cork. Um, it's all just about getting into the right race. And then year on year, you're building that last 50, that, which I've spoken about before. And like, there's always room for improvement. You can always get quicker. You can always get stronger in the gym and make the gains all around. So yeah, I definitely think I can lower that further. Thanks very much for joining us for our first Star Sports podcast. We'll be back at the same time every week, so make sure to rate, review and subscribe to us either on iTunes, Android or whatever device you're listening to. Thanks very much and we'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Star Sports podcast. Don't forget to pick up this week's Southern Star featuring our award-winning sports section that has everything a sports fan in West Cork could want. Available every Thursday in shops across West Cork and online from anywhere in the world. The Southern Star, number one for sport in West Cork.